it's only when the ideas that are raised upon the post-it notes are actually challenged and discussed and are met with feedback and maybe even a little bit of criticism that you start to use your brain in a different way and that you start to make new connections and therefore are able to come up with new and potential better ideas. and welcome to today's episode on Black Box Thinking by Matthew Syed, a book all about marginal gains and the secrets of high performance. Today we will discuss the book, the key takeaways, share our reflections, as well as our learnings from our past experiences and the sparked ideas we have for our future experiments. Thank you all for joining and we hope you like it. It's our first content episode. How are you feeling? This is incredibly exciting. I'm also super duper proud that we have over 70 listeners already for our first podcast. And uh, everybody seems pretty excited about this new episode. No pressure. (laughs) I have sweaty palms. (laughs) Exactly. You initiated to read this book. So where Mm -hmm. did you get it from? How did you get to it? And why did you think this was a good first impression of our content episode? Good question. Um, So I came across it through the wonders of Google searching around growth mindset and and hearing Matthew Syed talk about the cultures of organizations and institutions and even systems that do show growth mindset and that don't show growth mindset and how we can learn from our failures and the importance of recognizing and learning from those failures. And also thoughtful and deliberate experimentation, which is what we're trying to do. So in our podcast, we are trying to take content that we read about, that we hear about, try to do either backward looking experiments on what we've seen and experienced in the park or do forward-looking experiments on what we're going to try and adapt our practice going forward. So in the in the spirit of give it a go, learn from your mistakes, I thought this was a good place for us to start as quite frankly we are giving it a go and learning from our mistakes with this podcast. Yeah and it's interesting because uh, we've both read the book by now and if we dive a little bit into like what is the book all about The way Matthew describes the purpose of the book is we need to redefine our relationship with failure as individuals, as organizations, as societies. And only by redefining failure will we unleash progress, creativity and resilience. And that's what I really Mm -hmm. reflected upon reading the book is what is my relationship with failure And actually through different conversations with people around me also discovered that we have a very intriguing relationship with Mm. failure or actually it turned out to be very intriguing when you read this book and get a little bit of pushback onto your own beliefs with regards to failure. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. I found it quite challenging to read at some times because 
I really believe in his message around learning from failure and thoughtful mistakes, hypothesis, reflections, experimentation. But it is all underlined by this relationship we have in failure. And he describes that as the paradox of success. You know, success is built on failure. We talk about, we see the tip of the iceberg when it comes to successes and all the failures are underneath the sea. So it's quite counterintuitive around if you want to be successful, you need to fail and learn from those failures. And then if you have quite a negative relationship with failure, which many societies create, then how do you build that failure in to learn and succeed? So that was quite a, a challenging message for me to hear when I think about my own relationship of failure, which we'll both discuss later, because then it leads to the question of, well, how can we then learn if success is only happening when we admit our mistakes and, and indeed learn from them? So before we jump deeper into our reflections and our own learnings from the book, let's just step back and give you an overview of some of the key takeaways and and theories that we found within it. So as we just said, sort of the main theme of the book is success is built upon failure. And the way Matthew structured the book is that you need to have two things. The first thing is a system, a system in which you can actually get the errors and the mistakes out as a means of driving progress. The second thing that you need is the right mindset, because the mindset will then enable the system to flourish and build resilience. Mm -hmm. Now, these are two very big themes. And what he sort of describes in the book is that with regards to the system, a big portion of it is objective data gathering. So he uses such a broad range of examples within the book, which I think only for the examples alone, it's worth the read. He brings out the difference between the aviation industry and the healthcare industry in the way they gather data, if at all. And within the aviation industry, they do this really well. And how they do it is through the black boxes, which is where the title of the book is also referring to. So the black box within an airplane serves as a means to gather every single piece of data there is, which will be analyzed thoroughly um, when there is a mistake or when something happens, when an airplane crashes, to figure out if there's anything that needs to be changed within a process, within a procedure within the way people work together within the cockpit, anything like that. So it's really important data gathering. What's really interesting here, and this almost then starts to link to mindset, is that they have certain processes where pilots are, for example, allowed to anonymously report any mistakes or near misses within 24 hours after the event happened. And this allows pilots to actually feel safe enough to share it. So there's more data that will be shared. It's also accessible for everyone to see. So everybody can learn from everybody's mistake. 
Within the healthcare sector, on the other hand, it's the complete opposite. There mm. are hardly any procedures to gather data. And so there's almost no learning from mistakes. There's almost no improvement from mistakes. Now, of course, there's more to it, but I hope this will give you a bit of a sense of what objective data gathering means as part of a system. And then the second thing is, and really important, and also something that we really took and will test with this podcast as an example, <laughs> is the power of testing, trial and error, as a way to get feedback as to, is what I'm doing actually the right thing? And here he talks about marginal gains. It's like the really small steps that you can take to improve. It's like tweaking, as he also calls it. Here he speaks about randomized control trial as a way of testing something with an experimental group and with a control group, just to see if what you think will work, is that actually the reason why certain improvements are made or not? Doing a pilot is what we are mostly used to, I think, within uh, the companies that we've worked. That's also part of the power of testing. And something called a pre-mortem, which we will share more about later on. <laughs> So this is a bit around the system. We want to maybe share a little bit around the mindset then. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think this was one of the areas that I found really interesting and really got that edge inside of me because it challenged what is my mindset when it comes to failure. So mindset really talks about the culture and the space we create for people and the relationship they have with failure. So if I go back to examples of the aviation and healthcare industry, we saw from the book that in a particular hospital, they introduced all the systems to enable mistakes to be raised and to be learned from. But the fear of failure and the fear of judgment and repercussions, i.e. the culture and mindset, prevented any mistakes being raised and any learning therefore taking place. So we have this real internal fear of failure created in our society, and it can lead to two things. So one is called cognitive dissonance. And this is where you dissociate yourself from the mistake. So you don't see or register the mistake, or even you go harder. You take evidence that is against your idea or against your position, and you dig in deeper. So the example given in the book was around a number of people who had joined a cult which was all about the end of the world. And the world didn't end. But rather than think, oh my goodness, the world didn't end, therefore what I'm believing in might can't possibly be true, they all thought, no, because we've had such strong belief, I am right. So it's cognitive dissonance. It's, it's digging in and not seeing the data for what it truly is. And the other thing is that narrative fallacy. And I think this is really important in social science as well. So the narrative fallacy is, is kind of, it's falling for the story. It doesn't that sound like a good story? Am I not telling a good, powerful narrative to you? So again, rather than being objective about the data, it kind of sounds good. Someone's got some conviction in what they're saying. And then we believe and follow that route, which means that we miss data and we miss opportunities to learn. One of the things that I found challenging and fascinating was how our mind is set up to not work favorably when it comes to failure for ourselves. So in the way that many of societies have evolved, our competence 
and our ability to do something quote unquote right is linked really closely to our self-esteem and how we measure our success and how we value ourselves. Therefore, if we admit to failure, then we are saying that we are not worthy or we are not capable. And so that link often prevents us from, from really seeing failure for the learning opportunity it is. Another thing that is creating that fear of failure is external judgment and blame. And interestingly, in the aviation industry, they've got themselves to a place where they do not judge others. It's very clear that mistakes are there to be learned from because they save lives. And judgment and blame would prevent that learning from coming to the forefront, which is so, so important. So it's all about creating a culture where mistakes are not suppressed and where testing and learning is encouraged. And in fact, there's examples in the book around the best ideas are created when there is a jarring to your reality. So someone disagreeing with you, someone bringing in a different perspective and encouraging debate is when we find some of the most creative ideas are generated. So one of the quotes that I liked is, knowledge does not progress by merely gathering confirmatory data, but by looking for contradictory data. So do you have a culture where you go looking to test the opposite to learn? Or are you just simply sticking to, how do I prove my idea? I found that really interesting, that part of the book, because he puts it against the idea of brainstorming, which we use mm. a lot at work, where you can imagine sitting a group of people around the table and everybody pulls out their post-it mm. and everybody just starts to shoot ideas. But it's, it's almost like shooting with hail. And he clearly, through different research uh, activities that have been done in universities, shows that this does not actually lead to more and better ideas. It's only when the ideas that are raised upon the post-it notes are actually challenged and discussed and are met with feedback and mm. maybe even a little bit of criticism that you start to use your brain in a different way and that you start to make new connections and therefore are able to come up with new and potential better ideas. So that's what I found really interesting yeah. also as a reflection on not only the mindset, but also how do we work? What are we used to in terms of innovation, if we can even Absolutely. call it innovation in that sense. So we've spoken already a bit, already or hinted a bit to our reflections from, from reading it. I myself found that while reading the book, I almost thought, I don't think I'm actually capable of failure. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever learned how to fail. Yeah. And not only learned how to fail, but learned how to fail and then act upon it and learn mm. from the failure and either adjust the way I do things uh, or not. Uh, that's mm. also an option. It's really, it's also behavioral. It's something that we can learn. It's something that we can get better at if only we start to do it. And at first you will be very much challenged on your belief system and you will start to feel 
as what we are feeling right now, the sweaty palms and like, what will people <laughs> think and will they yeah. like it? And will we say the right things? Will we say, um, 50 times? Yes. Yes, but I we're will. we're still going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we're still doing it. We're still showing up. We are still experimenting throughout and learning new beliefs that yeah. we can actually do it. And that even though we make potentially these mistakes, people will tell us, we'll adjust and people continue to listen, hopefully. That's for me, my biggest learning from, from reading this book. Anything else that really hits home for you? Yeah, I think a number of things. So building on the personal learning, there was a question in the book around how often has your company failed and really been honest enough to admit it. And I was thinking around, that's really hard. And do companies do that really well? And I've worked in a number of organizations now, and I have seen that spectrum. And I think it also speaks to the definition of collaboration. Is collaboration or working together or is collaboration challenging one another to get that jarring exposure, that different opinion in the room? And how do you hear that and, and then learn from it as well? And then I think on a personal level, it really got me thinking about a quote I heard recently by Alvin Toffler, who said, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn and relearn. And I'm going to just dig into this a little bit more because I think it links to the book really nicely. So learning is to gain or acquire a knowledge or skill by study, experience or being taught. Unlearning is then to discard that something that you've learned or that false and outdated information from your memory. And then relearn is to learn something again. And I was thinking about if you learn something, you then test it to unlearn it potentially. So you test it. What data do you get from that test? Is it outdated data? Do you need to test again? And then you relearn. So you then apply what you've gained from that experimentation to form a new worldview or to form a new practice or a new direction. So I really liked that quote in, in linking in with this book. So we need mm. to unlearn our mindset with regards to yeah. failure and relearn to be comfortable with failure. And yeah. it reminds me as well of the interviews I think a former headmistress of the a school in London and she would organize every year fail week specifically designed to teach children how to fail and then learn from failure and you know change their behavior or their actions when children are really young they don't have a fear of failure the fear of failure comes through society, yeah. your interactions with other people actually failing and then the responses from others and from yourselves. Mm -hmm. But naturally, we don't have a fear of failure. And how do we then unlearn what we've been yeah. taught? But the way the school system is set up is we only get measured by our mistakes. And I think, then. absolutely. And if I think back to my own education, that's how I measured my success as a child growing up it was what grades do I get 
am I good? Am I a bad person? And it was good or bad person, not good at this or learning in that. But I think about children having no fear of failure. And I always come back to the example of when I, as a 27 year old adult, was trying to learn to ski, how nervous I was and how cautious I was of getting it wrong versus these tiny, tiny children just absolutely death plowing down the middle of the like steepest slope they could possibly find, like no care in the world. And I think that in one image is the adult fear of failure versus the child fear of failure. Um, and the brain is a scary, like the, the power of the brain is quite scary, especially when it comes to failure. So we are geared up to kind of put it aside, simply justify away mistakes. And um, something that stuck with me in the book, and I think, you know, you and I work in HR professions, so you know, we're not frontline medical staff or pilots. So hopefully we aren't dealing with life and death on a day to day basis. But the human impact of mistakes is huge. So he describes in the book around in the US, you could attribute up to two jumbo jets falling out of the sky every day as the number of people who die from mistakes made in healthcare. Two jumbo jets. That's a lot of people every day. And that is, you know, that is a system that is allowing those mistakes to be made, potentially because of a fear of failure, because of the way the ego is linked to competence and the narratives we tell ourselves about how we measure success. And when you can, when you step, that really made me step back. Like we need to get better at this as a society because we owe it to society. We owe it to the children of the future to develop more effectively to really change our own personal relationship with failure exactly a big part of what we really want to do with this podcast is also showing you guys that we take something from the book try it out in real life and then share our experiences with that so with this book as you've heard we've reflected a lot on on our experiences i think you had a, a great example of when you were in your car would you mind sharing that with regards to experimentation and your mindset? And then maybe we can go into how we will experiment going forward. Yes. So I recently bought an old Suzuki Jimny. So a four by four little Jeep wagon thing, uh, for those of you who don't know what it is. And I bought this because I my husband bought an experience like driving experience for me to go and try out four by four driving so it was something that I was doing not him and I really enjoyed it and so I thought brilliant I'm gonna get into this and this is gonna be a great hobby for me to to learn with as well and and get on with so great so off we go and we're going down what's called a green lane so doing some off-road driving I'm in the driver's seat and my husband's in the passenger seat and as we're going along he starts giving me feedback on how I'm doing in this situation. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And there is nothing more quickly encouraging you to go into a fixed mindset than your spouse telling you how to drive, is there? And so I did notice, so to go back again, I measure my success by how well I believe I'm doing something So to hear him saying, essentially, at first, you're not doing it right, I suddenly feel rubbish, useless, 
my mind goes completely fixed. So I can't do this. I don't have the talent. I don't have the capability. And because I was reading black box thinking and because I was doing some work for growth mindset for my company as well, in that moment, I was able to challenge myself and reframe it and say, if this was a piece of feedback or even feed forward, how can I use this to improve my driving? How can I get better? And so that's what I did. So I started asking my husband, Tom, some questions. Or how would I do that? How would you do that? Why don't you show me how? And then I can observe. And I actually really enjoyed that experience as I consciously pushed myself into that growth mindset. And by the end of the trail, I could do the thing that I couldn't previously do. And it might seem like a bit of a funny example to bring up, but it, it just really showed me in the moment how that feeling like the emotion connected to failure, if I can reframe it of I'm not good at this to I'm not good at this yet, but this is an opportunity to be 1% better. I suddenly just had great fun on that trail. So that's my example of me observing almost from above, as it were, me going through fixed and growth mindset and how I can learn from mistakes to improve in a hobby that I have. Maybe to add an example from sort of the workplace. So where I work, HR colleagues have run an RCT, as, uh, as Matthew calls it. So a randomized control test on the topic of unlimited leave. So we are testing, literally, whether implementing unlimited leave as opposed to the fixed number of leave hours that we all get, uh, whether that would work. And they actually tested that with an experimental group and a control group. So mm -hmm. to see what are the difference, how do people experience it? Does it actually bring us the benefits that we think it will bring or not at all? Will we get the same benefits within the control group? without yep. actually using the the experimental factor of the unlimited leave policy. And I thought I'd mention it here because especially in, I think, a profession like HR, it might seem very difficult or daunting to come up with experiments. But it can be as small as the example that you just brought forth and as big as the example that came forward in my company um, and, and everything in between. So this is also hopefully a way of us saying to you, please go try and test and experiment and see what it does to your mindset. How do you feel when you start to do these things? What do you notice? Will you change course because of the feedback that you got? Not mm. like literal feedback from asking someone from feedback, but like gathering data, experiment, etc. And that's something that we will be doing with the podcast as well. So we will be testing it, testing our ideas through interviews, uh, as mentioned, a pre-mortem session. So we will organize that with a few people around us where... The main idea is to answer the question, why did we fail? Why did the podcast fail? 
not that it failed actually, but just to come up with any ideas as to why it could have failed so that we can already adjust any plans beforehand to avoid that it actually might fail. Um, so that's something that we uh, that we are planning to do and see if that will gives us more data or evidence as to what we think is a great idea is actually a great idea, whether it works or if we potentially missed something and could do it differently or better even. Cool. So I guess trying to then bring it all together, um, a quote that sums it up for me from the book that I wanted to share with you all is by Dr. Gary Kaplan, who was a chief executive of a healthcare sort of system and organization in the US. And his quote was, we learn from our mistakes. It is as simple and as difficult as that. Nice. I wanted to close with actually a quote from the book that Matthew wrote, and it's a little bit longer, but he says, we need to create a revolution in the way we think about failure. We should praise each other for trying, for experimenting, for demonstrating resilience and resolve, for daring to learn through our critical investigations and for having the intellectual courage to see evidence for what it is rather than what we want it to be. And with this new mindset, we can start to create systems that harness the power of adaptivity in our lives through improving our judgments and decision-making by gathering data and trial and error. Really nice summary and really inspirational to kind of energize and, and take forward. And I think this book is filled with so many great examples of where you see the black box thinking really working and, and where it isn't working so well, which is another learning opportunity. And that's across different fields, different industries, different specializations. So you're likely to find inspiration in this book wherever you find yourself, whether it be at work or at home. We really encourage you now to go and read it for yourself and have a think. When did you last make a mistake and what did you learn? Think about what is the next mistake you're going to consciously make so that you can progress. How can you experiment with your daily work or routine? And maybe more importantly, and I think as Marluca and I have been sharing for ourselves, what is your mindset towards failure? How can you challenge it and how can you change it? So good luck with that experimentation. Uh, we will also continue to experiment. And as we go, we will give you an update. But we're also really curious to hear your thoughts on the podcast, on your experiences and how you view failure. So you can reach us via Instagram at experientialspark or you can email us at experientialspark at gmail.com. And last but not least, we'd love for you to give us a review on any podcast platform where you're listening to us, because this will really help other people to find us too. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Bye.